56 Nation, this is a special, special episode. This episode, we're going to jump into the world of gospel music, Christian music, both contemporary and traditional. We're going to talk to some artists. We have uh, Tuan Gray. We have Manny Benton, most successful gospel artist, or I should say Christian music artist. We're going to share their stories, their journeys, um, and, you know, and their experience with us. So we're going to take it to church a little bit today. I hope you guys enjoy. So we got Tuan Gray in the building, and we're going to jump right in with Tuan here. I know you come from a musical family. Is that where your musical influence comes from, or do you source that from somewhere else? Yes. uh, Growing up uh, as a child, my grandmother had a singing group, and my aunts had their own singing group, and it just followed from there. Um, They would teach us or pretty much they made us sing, whether we wanted to or not. It wasn't a choice as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the incentive for us was that um, if we could actually uh, mimic her or do it exactly the way my aunt did it, we'd be getting paid for it. So she'd give us a quarter for each time we get, you know, whatever note we got right, or, you know, if we did a phrase right, if we whoever got the closest to her, we would get a quarter for it. Or like my cousin, she would buy me a pair of shoes. So that's what it all started from was, you know, you had to sing in our family. Oh, y'all were doing it big from the start, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> was there was there a particular moment where you knew that music is what you wanted to do and where your heart was? Uh, because it was instilled in us at an early age, it's been music's been my life since you know day one since I can remember, and always you know wanted to be you know like them or as far as not so much like them, but to be able to to be at that same caliber was always sorry you got you got to do better you got to do better i mean even music just makes you feel better um and just to see the reaction from people listening to the music even in high school with the chorus and stuff like that um that's what did it for me from you know from classical music we did bluegrass so it wasn't just straight gospel it was just music as a whole and how it makes the you know you can change the person's you know atmosphere hmm, okay because i was just about to ask you if you've crossed musical genres it sounds like you have Yes, um, I've done. Yeah, from gospel, RV, classical, uh, even to college, we did classical there. Uh, we did bluegrass. Uh, you name it, I think I've sung it. Is there, is, is there one that you prefer over the other or a couple that you prefer um, more strongly than some of the others that you've experienced? I would say uh, gospel first um, and then classical because the the knowledge and the skill behind classical, you know, it's a total different, you know, it's a total different uh, animal, as if you would say, uh, versus just singing uh, your gospel, what you say from your heart, or, you, you know, your country, you just singing the lyrics or whatnot. But with classical, you have to actually know your material, study it, and, you know, you do have to do your homework for that. So I think because it's more a skill set for classical, it's, it, it's more challenging reason why I like the gospel and classical together. Okay. I like that. And now do you do um, like, you know, production with music as well? Do you do songwriting or, you know, kind of where do you. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I actually uh, work with uh, Richard Davis who has a studio here in Fredericksburg, but uh, I do uh, vocal arrangements and also do uh, production as far as uh, writing as well with him for his clients. Uh, uh, my group I stay with called Faithful Connection. We just were nominated for the uh, 51st, your Dove Awards for traditional uh, gospel album and also a traditional gospel song of the year. So, um, and that was with our most recent album that we that I had you know, had in doing the 
production for the vocals for this one. Man, I like that. I, I um, well, congratulations on that as well. And I happened to be on Thank YouTube, you. you know, the other day, and I, I saw you. You might have done some features as well on some other people's songs. Yes, I have. Um, for um, I believe that's what Content Johnson. She did an album. Uh, it's called Sea Praise. So I've been doing background vocals for at least fifteen years now. I'm just helping whoever I can. You know, if they have a vision, my goal is to help them bring that vision to life and to do my part. Now, you kind of described your your musical upbringing as, as a competitive environment. Is that accurate? Yes, I, I was. I would say that it was. Um, I would say competitive, but it was all you know. Love it was like I'm better than you, but you know, it's like you you do your best. If you do your best, whoever does the best, you know, you get a reward for it. So okay. That that was it for us. Just kind of iron sharpens iron type of thing. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, now, since you've been doing it so long, would you say that music's come easy to you, or have you kind of you know had periods where you kind of had to struggle to find that creativity? Or um, it all depends. Uh, a lot of times it does come easy. Um, just from doing it for so long, you get to hear it, and you know where. Like if you listen to your you know jingles or songs on the radio. Uh, you can actually hear where it's going to go next. Whether you know the song or not, just by doing you know, music, it's going to go here next, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, music is pretty much like second nature, like the back of my head now. Um, when you're done with music and you know, you're retired and you're just chilling um, and you look back at your legacy of music, um, what do you want your music to have done for people that have consumed it? I want my music to be able to touch the people that hear it. Um, regardless of how many times they hear it, that always be, you know, that special moment for them where they're like, wow, I felt that. Because a lot of times you can hear a song and it's like, okay, there's something in the bob your head to, but there's no meaning or substance behind it. So for me, it's for my music to be lasting and to be able to leave an impact on the people that hear it each time they hear it, that'd be awesome for me. Okay. Um is there, do you have uh, some projects coming out in the near future or what are you working on? Uh, we actually are working on a new EP with my group called Faithful Connection. Um, that should be coming out uh, either late this year uh, or either early 21 because um, we just did our sophomore album this year, uh, this past year. Um, and we've done so well with that. We were nominated for the Stella Awards uh, for the first round. We was with uh, John P. Key and Kurt Carr. Unfortunately, we didn't make the final ballot, but that's where we're going for this, you know, Dove Awards here. And we try to finish strong here. Are you guys pursuing a different sound on this album, or are you just kind of refining the sound from the previous uh, album? We're going for a different sound. Uh, when we first started out, it was more traditional. Uh, and the second album, it was more uh, contemporary. So we try to, you know, get something for everybody. We, you know, we always have those followers that are, you know, traditional gospel singers, you know, quartet, and, you know, that foot stomping. They also have those that like the ballad songs. So we try to give something for everybody that they can enjoy. Okay. And, and being in a group, is it more difficult to kind of get your creative ideas out or do you guys have like a good relationship where you just kind of balance those things or how does that all come together being in a group? In a group, uh, we... Uh, pretty much, we bring all our ideas together. We hash them out that way. Um, so it's no big eyes, little use. It's everybody, you know, working, you know, towards the main goal. As you know, producer, great sound, and great product. Okay. How long do you think it takes you guys to produce a record, uh, you know, start to finish? You know, the vocals, the, the, the sound, 
everything on a record. It varies, honestly. Um, I've been in situations where um, you could come up with a song. The idea, the concept is all done, you know, within that day. And then you go to the studio and, you know, you knock it all out. You could do that within two or three days. And then sometimes it takes months. Well, I didn't like the way we did the first time. Let's go back in. So it is a matter of it gelling together in that final sound that you, that you are satisfied with. Got it. Okay. Is, um, is there somewhere people can find your music for you and your group and where they might be able to go and, and get that? Sure. We on all social media outlets um, as well as music outlets. Uh, Faithful Connection. Um, that's Amazon, CD Baby, Apple Music, Google Play. We're all Faithful Connection. Um, and uh, I, I pray that you all enjoy whether they listen to it. All right, man. I appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right. We were very fortunate to be able to catch up with Manny Benton. Uh, he used to cover the Washington Redskins for seven or so years and is now transitioning full time into gospel music and a lot of things in the church. And he's got a lot of cool projects that he's got going on. So we're going to jump right in with him. All right, Manny. Everybody knows you as a uh, D.C. fashion icon. Uh, as well as a Christian music artist. Can you tell us where your love of fedoras originated? <laughs> well, uh, I, growing up, I always liked wearing hats, whether it was just ball caps or um, back in the day, I used to wear more fitted hats and stuff. Um, but the, the love for fedoras kind of came, um, I want to say, when I was around 16 years old or so, my, uh, my great-uncle and my grandfather um, they gained complete ownership of um, what's called Stark and Legum Haberdashery. Um, it's located in Norfolk, Virginia. And um, they're one of the biggest fedora distributors on the East Coast. And um, and so I quickly, I tried on one fedora one day and, and it just it became a, a thing for me ever since. Because <laughs> I, I, I realized real, real quick what I could do with the fedora. You know, I realized that I could dress it up and I could dress it down. And yeah. and it just it really just became me, you know. Yeah, it's it's very versatile. I like that, man. Yeah. Um, what age at what age did you start to realize that working in the church is what you ultimately wanted to do? Um, you know, I would say my grandfather was a pastor. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago, but um, I so I grew up in the church, and I was one of those you know preacher kids. Growing up, everybody already, you know, would, would call me a pastor and stuff. Growing up, <laughs> already, I mean, I preached my first sermon when I was like six years old, and I preached again mm. and as a teenager a couple times. Um, but I would say, knowing that this would be something that I really want to pursue, and knowing that this was the call in my life, it wasn't until recently because I feel like I was kind of kind of fighting against that i really wanted to do the redskins reporting and stuff and you know god bless me with opportunities to do that um but it wasn't until i would say maybe four four years ago or so three or four years ago um i guess when the lord really started breaking my heart for ministry yeah and just really getting to that point where it was like okay god you know i i see what you're doing because like but for 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 me to really like pursue that like he had to break my heart because you know, yeah. I'm a big football fan. I love the Redskins. He had to really break my heart, and that's what he did. Um, so I would definitely say it happened about three or four years ago. 
Now, would it be fair to say that you struggled uh, in making that transition? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I would say um, it was tough, especially my last my last season covering the Redskins, I believe, was 2017. Mm-hmm. And that was the most access I had um, in my years of being able to cover the team. And every week when I went to the stadium, um, you know, first of all, I would, I would literally be leaving church from doing worship and, you know, being part of service and stuff, going straight to the stadium. And what I realized, this is when I started realizing that the Lord was breaking my heart for ministry. What I realized is that I was dreading going to cover the team every week. And that was new to me because, you know, like I said, this was the first time I had access. I had on-field access, um, you know, locker room access, all that stuff. Um, and I was dreading it. You know, this is, I grew up a huge fan of the team. This was a dream come true. And for me to dread it every week, that just goes to show that that guy can, can really crush your heart for, for really, um, redirect your mindset on things, you know? What was it about going to cover the skins that you began to dread? I've, I've thought about this. I don't know what exactly I was dreading. I just, I don't know. It was just like the Lord was like kind of um, taking away a little bit of that passion. Because part of this also, you know, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into it, I guess. But um, I started realizing that I was making an idol out of football as part of mm. my testimony. Um, you know, I would stay up late at night, you know, wee hours of the night watching football film. Always have football in front of me, whether I'm at a restaurant wherever i mean like it was just always in front of me and, and like part of that is it, it, that's what it takes to be a great you know reporter too you, you know mm-hmm. it has to be it has to be a 24 7 kind of thing um but it really consumed me to the point where i was i was definitely putting that above god and so i think that was part of that that dreading um where that was kind of stemming from because i would say too man like when I really started realizing it, not only just with covering the Redskins, but um, it was one night where uh, it was a Sunday night football game, and I never would miss a Sunday night football game, and I didn't want to watch yeah. it. I like I I, rather, mm. I I decided to go in the back and just like I was on the piano and just writing music and stuff. Like I, it, the Lord, when I tell you, man, the Lord just really just broke my heart for it, man. It, he really did. So I listened to your uh, records uh, when you first put them out there on social media. And the, the first thing that came to my mind or that it kind of brings me back to is a group called Switchfoot. How did you choose the genre of uh, Christian pop um, that you were going to apply to your music? You know, like, so the, the vein that I'm kind of in is not what you see a lot of blacks in. Um, right. You know, unfortunately, it is kind of racially, and this is part of, like, the racial divide within the Christian community where you have the gospel size more mm-hmm. perceived as black. And then you have where I am, the, the Christian contemporary or the, uh, you know, they, they just called it worship. Um, yeah. And, um, and so where, where it really started for me, uh, my grandfather asked me to lead worship at, at um, his church when I was about 14 ish, 
or something like that, 14, 15 years old. And um, I had already known how to play the piano and stuff, but I never really played it at church. And um, I was never really into, I listened to a lot of gospel. I listened to a lot of, he, he used to sing in the quartet and stuff. I listened to that kind of music, but I knew like vocally that wasn't me. And I just, I wanted something different. So I ended up becoming a big fan of Israel Houghton, like some of his old stuff back in the day. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, mm -hmm. But he was known, he was one of the first people that was known for kind of building that bridge between, he was never fully CCM and he was never fully gospel. Um, he kind of paved the way for what we know now as like more contemporary gospel. And, um, and so I, I would play a lot of his music then I started listening to a little bit of Chris Tomlin and started playing some of his music. And, and from listening to those guys, also uh, this guy, Michael Gunger, um, who wrote some of Israel's early hits, um, started listening to him, studying him. So just listening to these three individuals, and there was several other artists too, I started kind of learning my own sound. And um, yeah. I began to write music for our church, specifically for our little worship team that we had that were none of them could sing. So <laughs> I, tried to write, <laughs> I tried to write music that was like very, very simple, very easy, melodically yeah. and stuff for them to grasp. Um, but that's where it started. And it just continued to evolve over time. When my grandfather ended up retiring, I went between several churches just trying to find my place. And I ended up at this church in Waldorf called Life Point. And um and they are more of the contemporary worship vein, the hill song, the yeah. elevation and stuff. And I really that that's where I really found a home, you know, and found what my sound was. And so it's developed over the years and you know, it's still it's still developing. Um, finding ways to just, you know, create and, and not stay, you know, so generic in the whole box of worship, you know what I mean? So you made an interesting point about non traditional um, black genres of music and I want to I want to get your opinion on this what is it about church that makes us so unwilling to experience other church cultures and you said the word right there I think it's culture um and so you have black culture and then you have white culture um and I think sometimes as blacks we kind of we grow up in that mode of just the black culture where you go to the church we have a shout of music you have your gospel you know, your your yeah. your upbeat praise more kind of music. And you kinda you kinda get used to that kind of church. And so when you do go to a more, you know, what they would consider more of a white church, um, where they're doing worship, hands raised, you know what I mean, more just really like you know, more vertical kind of worship, it's it's um it's kind of sh shocking because you're not used to that and um and so for some people it's just like like they don't they're not willing to embrace that and vice versa same for for whites when they go to a black church um so i think it just it boils down to culture but man you know i just you know even now especially dealing with the climate that we're in right now with the the racial issues and stuff and injustice is something that i've been just constantly preaching um is just really embracing all different kinds of cultures um, because, when you know, as Christians, when we get to heaven, it's not just going to be gospel. It's not just going to be CCM. Um, it's going to be everything. You know what I mean? It's going to be more than just whites in heaven. It's going to be more than just blacks in heaven. There's going to be Africans. It's going to be Asians. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for us to have that kind of heaven on earth. You know what I mean? And just start 
really embracing these different cultures. And so that's one thing that I'm trying to do as a worship leader and as I, you know, kind of transition into this role as a worship pastor um, is just really emphasize different cultures. But yeah. So a question I like to ask those that are in the music industry, especially those, um, you know, creating spiritual music is, what do you want the legacy of your music to be? I just pray that it, it really helps people um, connect with God um, in a way that, you know, maybe they haven't before. Um, that That's my ultimate goal is just to really write music that helps people understand more who God is and just be able to experience him um, in a way where it just makes their heart tug and lean more towards him. We're all in a very challenging climate, be it, you know, spiritually, uh, politically, or, you know, you name it. It's, it's just kind of a tough space uh, to be in right now. What's your advice for new believers about, you know, being strong and continuing to pursue their faith in today's climate? Oh, I'm a big proponent of truth, um, sound doctrine, sound theology and stuff. And, and that's a big issue within Christian communities where there is a lot of false theology out there. There's a lot of false teachings. And so we have to be careful. Um, you know, one thing that I would really just tell um, people who aren't Christians or, or people who are new believers is to get um, in a community of truth seekers, of people who really hold the Bible um, to its pure form um, and really search the scriptures for truth. Um, because it's, it's dangerous when you're not doing that. Um, but just in like the climate that we're in, you know, um, I, I see so many Christians, even just politically speaking, you know, leaning very hard to one side or the other. And you're like basically allowing your politics to affect your Christianity when really it should be the opposite. Um, because, you know, God is, he's not on one side or the other. He's above both. And so, Honestly, like our eyes have to be on him and we have to allow, um, you know, be spirit led with how we um, speak on different issues. Because I feel like in general, Christians, you're not going to find yourself agreeing with either side of the political spectrum um, fully. You know, you may agree with some things on one side. You may agree with some things on one side. You may lean more to one side. You may, you know, lean more to another side. You know, I feel like there's freedom with that. But above all, you know, God is above that. And um, and we have to cling more to him than our politics and stuff. So um, we have to allow the word of God to speak for us and not our political party. I believe that that strongly, man. So that's that's what I try to do. That's what I try to teach others. And um, but, yeah, that's that's where we have to be careful, because I feel like there's just so many Christians really just pushing an agenda. And that's dangerous. told you guys Manny was a busy guy and uh, we're so glad that he made time for us if you want to check him out check him out on Instagram it's Manny underscore Benton uh, he's on IGTV there he's got a couple sneak peek songs out there for you you love indoors forever and have your way so you can be one of the first ones to hear that um, he's got a, a podcast that he does called odd one out podcast make sure you check that out on all major podcast platforms um, his current singles, I Look to You and Strength and Shield, 
are all over the world. Check them out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you uh, consume your music from. So make sure you check them out. Hit him up. Let you know that you're interested and find out where he's at. Uh, I'm sure he'll stay up with you. Um, Same thing for Tuan and his group. You know, it's important that we support our Christian artists, especially uh, our artists that are working as hard as these gentlemen here. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed making it. Uh, These guys were tremendous, and we wish them all the best. Peace, 56 Nation.